Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Recovery Talk, a podcast from the Peer Recovery Center of Excellence. I'm your host, Shannon Roberts. Each month, we'll be talking with an expert in the field, discussing substance use challenges, resources to assist individuals with a substance use challenge and or their families, and best practices for the delivery of peer recovery support services. This month, we had a conversation with one of our organizational stakeholders, Pete Nielsen, about his work at the California Consortium of Addiction Programs and Professionals. And without further ado, let's get talking. Well, listeners, I'm here with Pete of CCAP. Pete, welcome. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Yeah. Do you want to go ahead and share a little bit about yourself and a little bit about CCAP? All right. So uh, I'm a person in long-term recovery. I'll start there. In the, um, and uh, I uh, have uh, been in recovery since uh, February 15th, uh, 1996. For that, I'm nice. grateful. And what that means to me is that I live a life of hope and accountability, you know? So uh, to me that uh, I, I think that that goes hand in hand with my recovery um, today and, you know, and I don't have to have uh, shiny uh, bracelets, you know, these days or, you know, have to worry about, you know, uh, sirens and other things that, you know, so um, also I uh, have uh, been working uh, in the drug and alcohol realm for, gosh, 25 so years. So, you know, um, I, of course, did, you know, got involved shortly after I got into recovery. So, Great. Thank you for sharing all that, Pete, and congrats on uh, the upcoming anniversary of your recovery date. I know. And it's the day after Valentine's Day, so, you know, you could tell what was going on in my world, <laughs> you know, for that to happen right after Valentine's Day. Yes, you know? there was a relationship breakup, and, you know, so I, I always smile, you know, uh, with that, because, you know, uh, you know, my world was falling apart, you know, and, and yeah. Uh, uh, I, you know, need a solution and, and, uh, and I had a lot of problems, you know, <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. Sometimes that's the motivation we need to make a change, you know, or... hmm. well, do you want to go ahead and tell us a little bit about CCAP, what it stands for yeah. and what you all do? So, um, I can do this. You probably can't do this, Shannon, but, uh, uh, CCAP stands for the California Consortium of Addiction Programs and Professionals. So um, I love to rattle it off fast because, you know, it took me a while. And so I'm very happy to be able to say all of that really quick because people are like, I didn't even catch two words with <laughs> I was going to say 10 but, out of 10. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, but um, what that means is we're a, a, a very vibrant organization that has a long history. And so um, the California Association of Recovery Homes was formed in 1972. And so, um, 
And what it was, was at that time, there wasn't really any licensing. There wasn't anything. They were really what we call recovery residences. That's kind of really what they were back back then. And and so it was, it was some individuals that were in recovery. They were, you know, wanted to help other people. And this, so they, they formed this, this, this organization. And um, they then uh, changed it to, um, oh, and I think, no, uh, yeah, I think it was, it may just been an alcohol at that point. I can't remember if the, on the history, but, but I know that, that there was more of a push on alcohol back in that time frame, mm. and then drugs came later. So there was a split between, there's actually a, a time where there was alcohol treatment and then drug treatment, and they were separate. And I right. think that came right around the time. So, so it may have, and then it changed to um, uh, later to from homes to um, more formal. Um, and then um, later it really morphed into um, the California Association of Addiction Recovery Resources. So that was the final iteration um, and then there was another organization that was in 1979, which was the California Association of Drug and Alcohol Counselors. And guess what they did? Drug and alcohol counselors. And so that was, I think, at the time where they um, were, you know, alcohol and, and drug counseling was, was included. Um, and uh, right around, and then we'll fast forward both these organizations had a very rich history. They got to about a point back in 2012 to 14, right around there, there was conversations between the two organizations that says, you know, we may not be able to exist in the future. Both of us, you know, the world is changing. We need to change with the world. We need to look at, you know, kind of, are we still doing the best good? to the people that we serve. Can we do better if we were together? If we were one organization, would that be more helpful to the people that we serve? And, you know, versus, you know, being separate and sometimes um, uh, adversarial. So they've actually had a long history of competing against legislation and uh, different concepts. So these are two organizations that were definitely at odds with each other. Um, and, um, and so in, in 2016, that's when they came together and they consolidated means uh, consolidation means when company A and company B decide to make company C, um, different than a merger. Merger is when company A eats company B, you know, <laughs> so, uh, so we came together, you know, and, and we, in everything we could, we tried to mutually come into agreement to form this new organization. Um, we argued about the name. We argued about all of the things. And then we came with the California uh, Consortium of Addiction Programs and Professionals. And you can say it, consortium or consortium. Sometimes people, you know, like to, you know, because I, I think it's, it's pronounced differently if you're in England versus if you're in the United States. So, um, and I, Actually, I say it both ways. I can say consortium and I say consortium. So both ways is absolutely correct. So 
uh, when they came together, they created this new organization. The one thing that was left, because it's California Consortium of Addiction Programs Professionals, well, what happened to the recovery resources? Mm-hmm. So I didn't know that this caused me a lot of heartburn, but it did because there wasn't the identity that there was before. Right. And when they come together, they were just thinking about the treatment programs and not, you know, and this is really right before the the peer movement. So that wasn't really a thing in California. There wasn't a, a, a you know, in California, RCOs weren't, you know, um, you, you know, the, the, um, the uh, recovery oriented system of care was big back in 2010. And, you know, so, so, and that kind of died down. So there wasn't really a lot in that, in that. So, and then, so after we had, you know, created, you know, uh, CCAP, a few years later, we got tested in, in, well, you don't really serve the people in recovery. And I'm like, well, we've, that's where we came from. That is our roots. That's who we are. But it doesn't say in your name. It says that you serve treatment, you know, addiction programs and professionals. What about, you know, and so we had to really, and here's the thing is we never left that part out in our bylaws. So we mm-hmm. always kept it open where recovery residences and RCOs could always be members. Never was left out in programs. We meant it to be inclusive, but it, for some reason, there tend, tend to be a stigma that we only represented treatment. So we we then had to look at. So are we missing something? Um, and with this 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 new organization, we were really representing the addiction treatment programs, the addiction treatment professionals, and that third part of that triangle. We really needed to complete that and really make that a, a center focus. So. What we did is we we shortly after, probably I think it was right around 18, I think it was, 17, 18, we created the Addiction Recovery Communities of California. Um, and that had, 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 you know, really completed that bottom part of the triangle. So we really represented the uh, addiction professionals, the addiction programs, and the recovery community with that. And, and you know, we have a... Re- website called calrecovery.org um that is totally separate from the ccap website and and we've hosted uh what we call recovery happens which is you know uh september which is you know uh, recovery month and we just had our 30th annual you know and we were the face and voices um uh recovery hub for or for that for that month um and then we also had mobilized recovery um, there as well. Um, and so it was a big, uh, it was a big event for the 30th of, uh, of us hosting recovery happen. So we've, you know, and, and so it was a big deal. And then we just celebrated 50 years of, you know, since, um, our first organization was, uh, created. So we still keep that, that, that original date, 1972. So we just celebrated our 50th. So, you know, what all that means, we're an organization that, you know, has very deep roots and it comes out in everything that we do of who we are. So we're not the typical organization that only represents addiction uh, professionals or we represent, you know, really holistically where we all should be. And mm-hmm. that is really the person that needs help and the families that suffer and the people, you know, so 
I mean, we even could get lumped in into the harm reduction realm um, as well, you know, because we have that compassion piece. We have that piece, you know, and you, and, and um, this is audio. So I'm going to describe the scene behind me, <laughs> behind the scene behind me is I have a box. And so all my zooms, you, you see this uh, naloxone bo- uh, uh, box that has a, you know, that, that, that we actually uh, have for people uh, to get that we have. And then of course, right next to it, is Cloxano right next to that is Narcan. Um, and we also have little kids. So Shannon's getting all of this, but you're going to get all of this. I can um, vouch. He's not lying. Uh, <laughs> I have a, uh, a little pouch that I hook onto my backpack that says overdose emergency kit. And I do that for visibility uh, for people that, that, you know, so they can ask me questions. And I love that. I might be the only dose of naloxone on the plane, um, you know, because they may not carry it. So I always carry it on the plane. Here we go. I got a little face shield here too. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it either has Cloxano or uh, Narcan and that this one has Cloxano in it, but has gloves too. So I have my little kit that I go uh, everywhere with. And then, and I keep extras. I put two on my backpack. Because if somebody's inquisitive, I'll give them my second one. So many times I've just given my second uh, 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 kit out to people. But so I say that to say that we really don't fit. We also, we certify prevention specialists. We do prevention work as well. And we work with the prevention community. So we're really that holistic community. And so it's unfair that we get put in these boxes because we're really that holistic organization that is really um, the people that they all serve. All of those different silos serve the same individuals, the families and the individuals that suffer from the disease of addiction. So why not have that simple purpose and not fight over all of the different things of the silos that we fight about? We fight about principles. We fight about ideas. We fight about money. We all of that stuff. And it it just hinders in helping people and hinders the person that needs help that we don't want anybody to suffer or die or a family member to go without a loved one. You know, I'm, I'm ready to say, stop, you know, we, we don't, we don't need anybody else to die or suffer. And I think the other thing too, is a lot of times, and it, it pains me, we only focus on the death we don't, you know, we, we always say, well, this many overdoses, this many. And really, we should be saying, you know, suffering as well, because that's it's a different conversation when we talk about suffering. And we also need to be very mindful when we talk about overdoses. We also need to be mindful that it's really poisonings as well. And when we also talk about we need to t- also talk about alcohol. So alcohol, I don't know what the current figures, but I know that people had died from alcohol poisoning and it was up the numbers back in 16 and 17 was 100,000 people. So it, 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 it really is scary when we get all upset and we, we say there's all been all these overdoses because of, of opioids and it's 100,000. And like, yeah, but we've hit 100,000 with alcohol for a long time. And I, I, I know the 16, 17 numbers. I don't know the numbers after that, but I'm sure it didn't go down because of the pandemic. That's pre-pandemic. So mm-hmm. I'm sure those numbers actually potentially went up. But I say that 
because <clears throat> I think it's important that we we get so fixated on these 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 things, and it's really about people. And and we know that well, there are some people that 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 may not all believe this, but I'll just show my my colors here. <laughs> is a connection is absolutely important. And I do believe, even though I do believe in the disease model, I also believe the connection is the opposite of addiction. So uh, I know that's Absolutely. controversial, depending on what you ask and, and stuff. But I think that that's highly important um, to that. And so if if we are if we don't connect with the individuals and we don't have compassion, and if we don't, you know, um, you know, show that people matter, the the fundamental thing is that people matter and. Let me tell you the other thing too. So um, we decided back in 16, um, what would be our, you know, core purpose? What is our core purpose? We do a lot of services. We do a lot of things, but what really is your core purpose? What is, you know, and that's the most important, like in leadership and everything else to know what your mission, vision, and your core purpose. What is that? Mm-hmm. And our core purpose is this, to make the world a better place by eliminating the devastation caused by addiction. That's it. Drop mic. Boom. There you go. You know, so that's really where, you know, everything that we do, all this stuff. And let me give you another uh, to the listeners. Another yeah, little keep it coming. About, um, is that we're not just we're actually not one organization because we're the consortium. So where that comes from was there were actually three organizations so we're a 501c6, which is a membership organization, and two 501c3s, one for credentialing and one for education. So when we we just say CCAP because it's easier rather than explaining all that, especially first time, and, and it just gets confusing. We've we've done this before. We've had a, a rich history of having multiple organizations, and they used to all have different names. And it was just confusing because it was like, what organization are you? And, and so we just would say, well, let's just call it CCAP. And then if you need to know more, then we can delve down to, you know, the, the C6 and the C3 and, and the, the general public and, and, and people that we uh, talk to usually just want to know the name, you know, and CCAP and they don't care about the rest, you know, that were three organizations <laughs> and all of that. Um, so one other thing, and then, um, that I want to say uh, too is take a sip of my coffee. Um, uh, Important is that we are um, uh, a, a publisher of a magazine, and we took over I don't know three four years ago. I can't remember the date, but maybe yeah, it's right around there. Um, of a magazine that's been around for fifty years. It's called Counselor Magazine, um, and so we're also the publishers of that magazine. Um, and what we've tried to do, we ha- we didn't change it a tr- drastically a lot, but what we did is we added different flavors inside of the magazine. So we added to where there was the prevention voice was heard inside the magazine. So it's, even though it's called Counselor, and the original name I think it was was Professional Counselor, mm-hmm. um, was and I, I think that it was changed in the '90s, but but then it changed to just Counselor, and it's. Uh, for addiction and, be- and um, behavioral health is where the tagline underneath reads. Um, but here's here's the 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 thing is we 
we also have, you know, recovery is spotlighted in there, treatment, you know, harm reduction, and we do go, uh, you know, different pop populations we, we talk about. So we really talk about a lot of different, you know, um, areas to to our world and not just focus on one. So, you know, the title, of course, is called Counselor. I don't think I can change that. And I don't think I would because the branding is 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 great. But really, it's more of an inclusive magazine uh, that people can pick up. And, and if you're in the prevention world, there's a part for you. If there's a uh, treatment part for you, if there's, you know, um, uh, recovery, there's a part for you. Harm reduction, there's a part for you in there as well. So it's very much a holistic magazine in that sense. So, you know, that's another part that people don't know about us. So, you know, I'm really giving you all um, all the stuff that you don't know about us that you wouldn't know if you looked at our website because our websites, you know, websites are the new storefront. So, right. you know, what would you wouldn't know about us um, when looking at that? You know, you would think just, you know, um, that one thing. So uh, and one last, you know, little caveat is, we really work with a lot of different organizations nationally. We're members of lots of them. We're a member of National Council of Faces of Voices, um, um, ICNRC. Um, I don't know a lot, lot of others I missed. Uh, NAR, you know. So a lot of the different national organizations, most of them, uh, NAMA uh, Recovery. Um, and uh, I've missed a couple, but, you know, we, we are, um, you know, state affiliates of all of those different national organizations. Um, and we also created a, another organization in California called um, CICARA. And I am going to hopefully uh, say it correctly and not, you know, uh, uh, let's have my pressure, the pressure's on. So CICARA stands for California um coalition of addiction recovery advocates um and so what we did is we we saw that there was not a recovery voice in california uh an addiction recovery voice a mm -hmm. uh, substance use recovery voice in california there was you know it, it's a very strong mental health recovery voice in california very strong we had a bill that passed um, in the 2000s uh, that was the mental health, uh, the, um, uh, what was it? The, it was props 30 through 63, I think it was, if I, I remember the number, but it was um, Mental Health Services Act. Mm -hmm. And that would give 1% of uh, millionaires would have to pay 1% tax for mental health recovery services, and it couldn't be part of the regular infrastructure. So it really just boosted the mental health recovery world. And so we kind of had just this, a lot of our recovery world had been morphed into the professional world. A lot of our old recovery residents have become treatment organizations. A lot of the individuals that were peer counselors became professional counselors. So we, we had this, the opposite that was going on in the East Coast you know, um, you know, where, where this, this peer movement was, was just thriving. And we had moved from the peer into this professionalization, which then now we come back to what is old is new again. So now we come back to that. And so 
we really had lost a voice in California as far as that representation of recovery and in what does that mean as far as uh, substance use or addiction. So what we did was we created Sikara and um, it's really made up of, of, of us, but a lot of different organizations as well. So, you know, there's um, uh, young people in recovery are a part of it, uh, Shatterproof, um, and a host of others. And I apologize, oh, the Phoenix, um, you know, a lot of organizations that we know that have California chapters and that have, you know, um, uh, influence in California, the recovery community. We thought it was important that any type of regulation, legislation, and anything has to do with recovery, any money, the recovery voice should be heard. You know, um, you know, um, there's a saying, nothing about us without us. You know, me, I like to, I, my big saying is, you know, FUBU for us, by us, you know, uh, you know, however you say that. And here's the other saying, you know, if, if you're uh, not on, and if you're not at the table, then you're on the menu. So nobody likes to be on the menu. So yeah. we need to be at the table. Um, and, and so we created this and we've successfully have worked on lots of different legislation, the last one, one of the last ones is we have, uh, we, um, and this is, uh, well, actually two of them. Um, but one of them, we actually, uh, there's some great advocates down in, in are up in Maine and they were, uh, running a bill to, uh, make sure that fentanyl, um, test strips were not considered paraphernalia. And, and I, I was like, huh, let me check into California. Sure enough, California, even though we had people that were giving out t- fentanyl test strips that that there was actually government money for them to give it out, it actually technically was illegal because it's considered paraphernalia. So we passed the bill to uh, to to uh, make sure that it wasn't. And then we did the same thing. And we had some other advocates that says, well, can you also do like the, uh, the, the date rape drug um, test strips, you know, like for you know, people that go to bars and stuff, can you, can you also, because they're considered paraphernalia as well. Can you Mm -hmm. also, you know, and I'm like, yeah, absolutely. It's all about, you know, safety and helping people. And, and so we did that. And then we also, um, uh, got passed, um, um, naloxone for, um, uh, college students that, that they, the colleges would have to, the, the, the college system as well as the community college, community college system, um, the universities and the community college system would have to have um, that overdose reversal medication um, available for college students, you know, and some people had said you know, that, that weren't for the bill says, well, I don't know if we should have that because college students don't really do drugs. I'm like, are you killing? Are you oh. kidding? <laughs> That's, you know, it's, it's, you know, uh, yes, they drink, but they do drugs. So, um, you know, and, and so I think it's important to have that. And then we also did another one um, that was passed as well was the um, uh, the ethical uh, treatment, uh, marketing and treatment um, uh, bill, which would do two things, give the patients a bill of rights within treatment and so that they, they are, their voice is heard. They have the right not to be patient broker. They have the right to, you know, all of these different rights that they, that they should have in treatment that, that we just need to outward and say, you have that right. And the other thing that we did was to stop these unethical 
people from, uh, you know, uh, uh, misleading the people seeking help. So we've had this problem on the internet with people misrepresenting um, who they are and what they do. And, and so let's say uh, somebody in, in, uh, says, you know what, I want to find treatment um, in California. And, oh, I, I like this place in um, Atwater, California. And that's okay. Nobody knows where Atwater is. Not even us in California. That's okay. Let's say you, you found this place and you're like, oh, I'm going to go there. So mm-hmm. what these uh, scandalous companies would do is they would take the name and the phone number of that organization and put it in, 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 so you think you're calling Atwater, but you're really calling maybe a place in Florida or somewhere else that, that they are, are going to ship to these certain treatment facilities that pay them money to advertise. And so it was really a bait and switch model. And then there was really just, they weren't saying what they, you know, were, were doing or who they really are or, you know, they, and, and so there needed to be truth in advertising. There needed to be where the, the consumer, the mom that is looking for help for her son or daughter or non-binary uh, person would be able to find help and not be shim-shammed, you know, into believing or doing or, you know, um, and, and so uh, now they can go after these companies, you know, that because of the, the, the law that we, we got passed or the bill we got passed that's now a law. And, and, you know, so now the people that seek help are, safer, you know, better, you know, and I wish all the states would do something like this because mm-hmm. uh, it's happening in other states. So, but at least we got California. So I think I'm done, Shannon. So I, I'll turn it back over to you, uh, you know, so. Um, You're great. Thank you. Some- yeah. Thank you so much, Pete. Are you, um, I mean, great the perfect elevator speech. I mean, that was our full time together and I want to be responsible to your schedule and mine, but um, yeah, you guys are doing some really. I'm not known for remedy. (laughs) (laughs) That is fine. I often tell people (laughs) on these episodes, it's like, you almost don't even need me. Like these people are doing incredible work. I, you know, they just need to get on here and brag. I think before we hop off, one of the things I wanted to like to the very beginning, that that rub between like the addiction world and the recovery world. Um, and I even hate posing it like that because it's really it's all one space, right? Like you you spoke to that very well, but there does seem to be, I guess maybe the more accurate way to say it is like the treatment world reco- versus recovery world. Um, but that that's not just a California thing. That seems to just be part of the discourse that keeps coming up, that keeps coming up. If you had people in front of you who are running into that challenge or like were really wanting, like poised and ready to start bridging that gap in their own communities, what, what would you say to them? What, what inspiration would you give them? So the funny thing is, is, is I, I, I've been working on, how do we make this better? How do we work together? How do we bridge that gap? How do we, you know, um, and so I actually created a map and it looks like a treasure map kind of thing and kind of put, you know, addiction, recovery, treatment, medication assisted, recovery community organizations, uh, recovery residences, all on this map and mm-hmm. mapped it out, you know, and I used the stages of change model because 
almost nobody disagrees with the trans theoretical model and the stage mm-hmm. of change of add nobody. If you're harm reduction prevention, nobody says no, everybody uses it. I mean, I mean, that model is used all over the place. So use that as a baseline to have conversations and to kind of map all this out. So uh, that, that, you know, we could kind of bridge these gaps of, you know, where are they? And it goes across, it's a continuum. And I came up with a nice little, cause I have to make, I have to, things have to make sense for me. So I, I came across and, and, and created, and, and really I'm looking at, it's the less known process, processes of change is really more than the stages because people can argue, well, that doesn't really fit, but it's really more of the processes change and it actually fits prevention, treatment, harm reduction, uh, recovery. And what I did was I, I put together a little model that shows the stages of recovery that shows, um, and this is separate from the maps. I got the map really for consumers and 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 uh, family members. And then I got this little uh, for other people that were kind of, you know, kind of need uh, some type of crosswalk. And basically it has on it um, the stages of recovery. Then it has um, the uh, stages of change and kind of how they overlap and what those look like. And then it has another one which is um, a larger kind of continuum that says, you know, that you have um, your recovery building and, um, uh, and I can't even, I wish I can't even, I mean, um, let me look it up. Hold on. Give me 30, yeah. 30 seconds. Um, You're good. Because uh, believe it or not, I have a lot of things in my brain and, my brain decided to take a nap on me. So, um, <laughs> so I need to wake up my napping brain. Um, it's really, so on this, it, it, uh, it's recovery exploration, uh, recovery building and, uh, uh, recovery, uh, sustaining. So we wanted to kind of put the broad so that really the thing that we're talking about is recovery and treatment fits in that because that's the acute that's that's you need that but but treatment isn't isn't what it is it's really all recovery and then everything mm. fits into that umbrella and i am saying that wherever somebody is as far as harm reduction it does fit in there and mm-hmm. and and, and I'll, I'll address that too same thing with prevention and i can address that as well in those communities and um um and so on on harm reduction Anybody that goes to most of the, the the known harm reduction services we talk about, specifically safe injection sites, specifically needle exchange, and you can even put MAT in there, methadone and, and, and buprenorphine, you can put those in there as well. Those known, um, a person would have to say, you know what, I don't want to die. And, 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 and Narcan, I can put Narcan in there as well, or uh, naloxone. Um, now, uh, somebody would have to say, you know what, I don't want to die. And, and so, um, you know what, that means that they're health conscious. So anybody seeking those is really recovery exploration because they don't want to die. They want to do something different. There is a process. They are moving from pre-contemplation to contemplation because they want to change something in that. Now, is it recovery defined by a 12-step program? You know, that's debatable. Is it is it defined by Life Ring or uh, you know other other organizations that may not fit the mold? But I really think that that health consciousness really puts them into that start 
And remember that we all know this, but I think we forget it, that recovery is an abstinence. Recovery is really about that lifestyle and that mindset that we have, not necessarily abstinence. And I think we kind of, we fight with that way too much. And if we just kind of let that go a little bit and look at, you know, be more friendly to to that, that it it would really kind of welcome the harm reduction advocates into that fold and prevention. I really believe that prevention communities make good recovery communities. So if you have individuals that are thinking about strategies of how to, uh, to deal with problems in life without using substances, that's a good community because I want to be in that community that doesn't just push alcohol on me, you know, or, or, or anything else to solve all my problems. They're looking at other life strategies and looking about being a healthy whole person. I like that. I think that prevention, you know, in person recovery, I like prevention communities. I think there's a lot. There's only one area where I, 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 I am a little sensitive in the prevention realm is when they have us go talk to, uh, you know, uh, usually middle schoolers and they have us tell our story and we're all excited and we tell our story. And then they, they then say, don't be like this person. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's not the message here. You know, don't do drugs. Don't be like this person. I'm like, I'm not saying do drugs. So please don't, don't, you know, uh, this is going on the internet and people, Pete said do drugs. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> no, what I did say is that um, what what I think is important, the message is resiliency, mm-hmm. self-efficacy, hope, connection. That's what they need to hear. They need to hear that, that, that we as people make mistakes, that we as people shouldn't be stigmatized for the rest of our life and discriminated against because right. of those. And that there is hope and there is help and there is, you know, and not that this is a bad person. Don't be like this person. It's the only part where I really cringe that there's times that we're utilized to say, don't do drugs and don't be this bad person. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, that doesn't work for me. I, I'm, I think we need to, to let them know that there is resiliency. Mm-hmm. There is that, that there is hope and that, you know, because that they're basically saying that addiction is a choice. Right. There's a lot of science about, you know, um, that that there's that it's not necessarily there's there's a lot of factors that go into that. That it's not this Mm -hmm. that I choose to be a bad person. Right. And even for myself, I don't consider never considered myself a bad person. I did some bad things that I'm not proud of, but I would never was a bad person. I never had that intent that I wanted to maliciously destroy the world. Did bad things? Absolutely. And am I fully accountable to? Absolutely. But I never was that, you know, um, mass murder or whatever, you know, um, and, you know, that I was never intended to want to be a bad person. You know, right. my addiction has pushed me six situations and I've done some bad things that, you know, that that I will forever be, you know, in 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 a uh, um, an opportunity to. Um, to actually do some good and, you know, make amends, you know, uh, living amends by, you know, doing good and helping other people. And, you know, cause I can never take back anything that I did in my addiction, but I can make the world a better place. I can do better for my kids, other people, you know, so there you go, Shannon, you asked the question, you got the answer, you know, uh, 
Thank you so much, Pete. And, you know, I'll just kind of wrap it up and say I, I would push that moment even farther to say we want to be telling folks, yeah, be like this person, be like Pete. He, he built a life that he wanted. He, you know, and people in recovery, however you identify or define that for folks who have lived through the disease of addiction, they deserve to be well, just like anybody else. And they deserve to build a life that they want to live. And so, yes, go do that. Go be that. Well, and here's the other thing too, is we still are a long ways from addiction or, uh, excuse me, a long ways from stigma, you know, and, and we still have that. Cause I'll tell you when I say what I do and I say what I've accomplished and I don't say that I'm in recovery right off, they're like, Oh wow. You know, and, and all this stuff. The moment that I say that I'm in recovery, it knocks me down four notches. Mm. Oh, well you did good for a little recovery person, you know? Oh, you know, and there's pity on me. And I'm like, no, I had it harder. I didn't have it easier. You're thinking because, you know, I'm in recovery that, that somehow the bar was lowered and that, you know, you know, getting a master's doing all this stuff, you know, all that, that, that it was, no, it wasn't easier. I had to go over a lot more hurdles and yeah. it's just like, you know, this, 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 this thing that I get where, Oh, you did good for a recovery person. What is that supposed to mean? Seriously. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, and so that's, that's my only cringe moment when mm-hmm. I talk about my recovery is that I almost knock myself down as a professional and I'm not as good as a professional because somehow the bar was lowered for me that, you know, and, and I think that, uh, a lot of people go into that, you know, uh, that that, you know, have overcome things and that people look at them as disabilities and things like that. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, you have to work harder. If you have a disability, if you have something that you have, a, you, you have to work harder. It's not that people made it easier. And there's conception that people make it easier. And my hat's off to anybody that has struggled with anything in their in their life and had to overcome anything and have that resilience, resiliency. And it's, it's not a pity moment, you know, and, and, you know, I think that a lot of people struggle with that. So that's, that's my only cringe moment when when I, when I talk about that is, is, you know, being in in recovery and, and, you know, and, and hear people's reaction. Pete, thank you so much for sharing today. Um, Thank you for your time and thanks for, thanks for being here. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. And I was, excited to do this uh, uh podcast as you and as you can tell in my voice so i'm glad that that i finally and i could finally hang out with you shannon so you know thank you thank you for connecting with us listeners our goal in sharing stories and information is to provide hope and resources to the field of peer recovery please join us again next month on recovery talk you can find our episodes on our website peerrecoverynow.org That's peerrecoverynow.org or wherever you find your podcasts. The Peer Recovery Center of Excellence is funded by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration to enhance peer recovery support services by expanding access to training and technical assistance services across the country. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the official policies of the Department of Health and Human Services, nor does mention of trade names, commercial practices, or organizations imply endorsement by the U.S. government. Talk with you next time.